0: I don't know what the best way to do this is. Hello. Hello. Good to see you this morning. Welcome. Oh. Okay. Who knows what the mission statement of the street church is? It's for either you all know and you're very shy or none of you know. Well, I'm going to let you know it's helping people become total followers of Jesus Christ. I'm sure many of you knew that but it's been our mission statement as a church for many many years and I believe it's the mission of all Christians of all time, all followers of Jesus. It's our mission to help people become total followers of Jesus Christ but I wonder if you've ever really stopped to think about what we mean when we say a follower. So if you look up The definition of the word follower in the dictionary, Um, it says this, a person who supports and admires a particular person or set of ideas, which I guess is kind of what we're talking about, you know, we would support and admire Jesus as a follower, but the examples it gives are a person who takes an active interest in a particular activity, or someone who is tracking a particular person, group, organisation, etc., on a social media website or application, (laughs) and it made me think, wow, hasn't our age, our culture, hasn't the age of social media even changed the definition of this word follow? Because if you think about followers in a Facebook or Instagram context, you know, someone who's following is just really interested in knowing a little bit more. Maybe they want to keep up to date or they want to know what's going on. Um, it's good to have followers if you're into social media. It means people are interested in you. They want to know about you. But they're not necessarily committed to becoming like you. That's not generally what a follower on social media is about now there 's a second definition in the dictionary for follower, and it is this: a person who moves or travels behind someone or something so following is to literally to physically get behind someone and go the same way that they 're going and I think the kind of follower that we 're talking about in our mission statement and that maybe Jesus was talking about in the Bible is kind of a combination of the two but more of the sense of it is this one, the travelling behind someone or something, going in the same direction as them. And if we look in Matthew 4, back at the first time in the New Testament that Jesus asked anyone to become his followers, we're going to find out a bit more about that. So I'm going to start by just reading those verses to you. They're up on the screen. So what did it mean for them to follow? When Jesus said, come, follow me, what did that mean to them? Well, the Greek word or the Greek phrase that this come, follow me is translated from means literally to come behind me or to walk after me. So it's very much like that second definition that we read in the, in the dictionary. But it's more than that. Now, you know we're going to go back to Facebook here for a moment. You know when you enter a competition on Facebook, often it will give you the instructions to enter the competition. It will say, comment under this post, and then like and follow the page, and then share the post. Those are generally the instructions. You're all looking at me blankly like none of you are on Facebook. Is that right? None of you know what I'm talking about? So when you enter one of these competitions and it says, like and follow the page... We know, don't we, that we don't need to sit down and write a list of 10 things that we like about that organisation and send it to them to show them how much we like them. That's not what it's talking about. And they're not expecting us to physically look up where they're based, drive over there and begin to physically follow them. We all know because there's this like, unwritten language that, that has um, let us know that this like and follow on Facebook means we need to go onto their page, we need to click on the big thumbs up, and we need to click on follow. There's a slide, I think, to show this. You know, lovely Brian Houston, you might have wanted to like and follow him, I don't know. Maybe you don't. But it's like a language. These words that have meant something else for so long in our culture and in our time have become something very specific. They mean something quite different to what we would expect them to mean. And it was like that. When Jesus said, come, follow me to those disciples, it was a technical term. It was a phrase that they knew meant, come and be my disciple. It meant more than just follow. And you see, Jesus wasn't the person who invented disciples. Disciples had been around for a long time before Christianity was a thing. Disciples were a thing that existed in the Jewish faith. They had rabbis, these knowledgeable and respected teachers who'd been given the authoritative role to interpret God's word so that people knew how to live as Jews. And these rabbis had followers or disciples who gathered around them to learn from them. The goal of a disciple, of a rabbi, was to become like their rabbi. You see, for Jews, their behavior and their actions were really important. That was what made them acceptable to God. It wasn't so much about the condition of their heart. It was about making sure they did the right things. And so these rabbis were so important because the rabbis were the ones who let them know, this is what you need to do. This is what the scriptures say and this is what it means in your practical day-to-day life. And if someone wanted to be a disciple of a particular rabbi, they had to go to the rabbi and they had to ask for permission. Could I become your disciple? They knew if someone wanted to become a disciple of a rabbi, they knew that they were going to be submitting to that rabbi's interpretation of the scripture. They knew that they were going to be dedicating their lives to becoming like that rabbi. There was no curriculum or agenda it was a continual daily relational life-on-life experience a disciple with a rabbi where either the disciple would notice things in their life that they had questions about and ask the rabbi for answers or the rabbi would observe things in the disciple's life and ask the disciple questions and this was how it worked And so as we read these verses in Matthew, when Jesus says, come, follow me. If we're going to understand what he was actually asking them to do, we need to try and get into their shoes here. We need to try and understand just what it was that they were hearing when Jesus said those words. You see, when we hear, come, follow me, I think we're more inclined to understand, um, you know, come and admire me or be interested in what I'm doing. You know, maybe when you think of it, come and check in and see what's going on, or, I'm going somewhere interesting right now, why don't you come along? I think those are the things that we hear when we hear, come follow me. But when Jesus asked these two to follow him, he was saying way more than that. And so when Simon and Andrew heard those words, it was a really big deal. It was a big deal, firstly, because rabbis didn't approach potential disciples. The disciples were the ones who approached the rabbi to request to become a disciple. But Jesus did it the other way around. He was going after these guys and he said, come and be my disciples. So this was a big deal. But secondly, they knew this wasn't just going for a walk with Jesus for half a day. This meant submitting to his authority. It meant in that moment they were making a decision to change their lives to become like him. This was a big deal deal and it's exactly the same call for us as we're looking at becoming total followers of Jesus Christ we need to hear the words the same way that they heard those words when Jesus said it to them and so I think it's a really helpful description when we talk about our mission statement it's a really helpful way to describe what a disciple is and I know there's a whole range of people here today You know, you might be sat here today, you don't even know what you believe about Jesus. You don't know what you think. You're no way a disciple or a follower of him, and that's so fine. But there'll be others here today who've been followers of Jesus for a long time and actually are well on the road to being transformed into more of his likeness. But wherever you are on that spectrum today... I want to let you know about this new sermon series that we are beginning today called Follow. And it's a great series for you to be involved in. And the reason it's great is because we're taking eight weeks to unpack what it really means to follow. What it really means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so if you're not a disciple yet, this is a great insight into what it would mean to be a disciple. But if you are already a follower, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ... I'm so excited about what this series is going to do for us. You see, if you are a follower of Jesus, the reality is that the goal is transformation. That every day you would become a little bit more like him. So if I was to ask you today, how are you going with that? I wonder what your answer would be. If your goal is to become like Jesus, and I said, how are you going with that? I wonder what you'd say. I wonder if you'd even know where to begin with that answer. It's challenging, isn't it? I wonder if many of you right now are thinking, when was the last time I read my Bible? How much have I prayed this week? I wonder what the other kinds of things that come to your mind are when we talk about how are you going in your transformation. But it's interesting to me because we're actually obsessed with progress in every other area of our lives. Obsessed with it, right from the moment a person is born. If you've ever known someone with a new baby and you say, how's the baby doing? You might get an answer like, oh, they put on 200 grams this week and you're all excited. Because we're obsessed with progress and there's not a lot of progress a brand new baby can make, so we draw out the tiniest thing that we can. How many of you have seen pictures of a baby on social media with one of these baby milestone cards next to them? We celebrate everything, don't we? Look, one week old, today I crawled, today I got my first tooth, today I said mama, Like, today I smiled for the first time. We're obsessed, aren't we, with progress and celebrating progress. And it doesn't stop there. When children get older, we might celebrate that they've learnt to ride their bike without training wheels. Yes, this is a great step forward. Or when you enter into the education system, you enter into years where you are never far away from some kind of assessment to measure your progress. We're obsessed with it. When you get a bit older, you know, you're congratulated. When you pass your driving test or when you get your first job and then when you enter into the workplace, there's this constant desire, isn't there, to work your way up through the ranks. We budget for professional development. We give appraisals. We give promotions. We talk about career paths because we've been designed and created with this internal drive to move forward, to grow... And to make progress. And yet in your faith, I wonder how often you think about how you're doing. I wonder how often you reflect on the progress that you're making. And I think we're missing something in our following of Jesus if there is no sense of progress. If you were here last week, you'd have heard Simon likening being disciples to being apprentices. Wouldn't it be ridiculous to consider an apprenticeship without any commitment to progress and without any opportunity to stop and reflect on what progress was being made. And so I want us to spend the next 14 and a half minutes just considering some things that are essential for progress to be possible. So three things I need in order to make progress. The first thing is I need a community who are cheering me on. So if disciples are apprentices, our goal is to become like the master craftsman. Simon talked about this last week, but none of us are there yet. None of us is like the master craftsman yet. But that's our goal. And so the reality is that our church is a community full of apprentices, right? We're full of people who are learning, growing, being transformed to be more and more like the master craftsman Jesus. But none of us are perfect, None of us has it all together yet. And that was one of the things that was eye-opening for me last week as Simon shared. He suggested that maybe we sometimes look around the church and expect people to know what the right answers are, to know what the right behaviour is, to know what the right things to say and the right things to do are. And we don't have a lot of grace when we get it wrong. But actually, if the reality is that we're all apprentices, We're all learning and growing. We're all on this journey together. Wouldn't it be a supportive and amazing environment if we were to view each other like that? And I'm not talking about us becoming a place where we all um, just relax and get comfortable in our sin. Because let's face it, the goal is to become like Jesus. So there should be transformation. We should be changing every day. We should be growing all the time. But if we stop expecting each other to look like the Master Craftsman right now and remember that we're all on this journey of learning and growing, wouldn't that be a supportive environment? In fact, I wonder if that would even be a place where we could truly feel like we could come as we are. Where we could truly feel like it was okay to be honest about where I'm at, about what I'm struggling with, about what my questions are. And so could we be a place that could cheer each other on on that journey? Because we're not criticising each other for not being perfect yet, but we're encouraging each other as we're all on this journey together. You know, when you look at the disciples in the Bible and the way they interacted with each other and with Jesus, I think that was the kind of environment they had. They weren't scared to ask the stupid questions. And they got it wrong so often, but they stuck together. They helped each other up again. They carried on going. And so the first thing we need in order to make progress is, to, is a community who are cheering me on. And let's be that community here, shall we? The second thing I need to make progress is I need to know how I'm doing. If your discipleship was a literal apprenticeship and you had an appraisal with Jesus today... I wonder what he'd say. I wonder what he'd say you're doing really great at right now. I wonder what he'd say maybe is your next step to work on. I wonder what he'd say you haven't even begun with yet. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? If, if I'm doing an apprenticeship and he's my master craftsman, what would he say I'm doing well and what would he say I need to work on? Well, that's kind of the heart of this follow series is that we're going to take the next seven weeks to help us figure out how we're going. Not we collectively, but us as individuals, to stop and reflect, how am I doing? How am I going as a disciple of Jesus? We're going to be looking at something we're calling the seven markers of a disciple. Their Christ-like character, Bible-based life, consistent community, humble service, joyful generosity, worship and prayer, and organic outreach. And we're going to take a week to unpack each of these. And it's going to give every one of us an opportunity to stop and reflect on how we're doing in that area of becoming more like Jesus as his disciple. Simon Peter was one of those first two disciples that we read about just at the start who responded to that call to follow Jesus. And he had a few of these appraisal-type moments with Jesus where he found out just how he was doing. And you find two of them pretty close together in Matthew 16. Um, Let me just flick there quickly. I haven't got it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. So Matthew 16, 15 to 17, Jesus was asking the disciples, Who do you think I am? You know, lots of people were talking about who Jesus might be, but Jesus wanted to know who the disciples thought he was. And so Jesus says to Peter, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. That was a great progress check moment for him, wasn't it? But he was brave in that moment. No one else had said that about Jesus. No one else was brave enough to say, you're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. But he thought it, and so he was willing to stick it out there, and Jesus gave him some great feedback and encouragement in that moment. But a few verses later, verse 22 to 23... Jesus is telling the disciples that he's going to need to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be killed. And it says this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I imagine that wasn't such an encouraging appraisal moment for Simon Peter as he engaged with Jesus. But you know what? It was still a helpful moment because it helped him know how he was going. It helped him know what he was getting right and it helped him know where he still needed to grow. And I want to encourage us as we engage in this, these next seven weeks are going to give us a frame of reference to work out how each of us are going on this journey. The final thing that we need in order to make progress is I need to commit to taking the next step. See, in the context of this goal of becoming like Jesus, once we know how we're doing, it has to help us to work out what the next step is. Even for the disciples who were physically with Jesus, they literally were following him around. They were seeing with their physical eyes what he was doing. They were hearing with their physical ears what he was saying. They still had to choose to engage. They still had to be committed to taking a step of growth in those moments. If you read on in Matthew from where we began, Jesus called them to come follow me. The very next passage it says that Jesus went on to heal thousands, like he healed every disease and sickness, that's what it says, and crowds gathered around him. If you ever, well obviously if you've had a job you've had a first day of your job, but remember back to the first day of a job. You know it's quite overwhelming isn't it, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot that's new, a lot of people to meet. Imagine the disciples on their first day following Jesus. It's like your first day of a new job times a 1,000. Like how much must their minds have been blown in those moments? Yep, Jesus, I'll follow you. Oh, okay. Um, Yep, I'm aiming to become like you and you're healing every disease and sickness. And now we have thousands of people following us as well. It's like, of all the people they could have chosen to follow, Jesus was an epic choice. But we've chosen to follow him too, haven't we? And just like the disciples, they had an opportunity to either engage with what they were seeing and for it to encourage them to change, or they could have actually just been observers and admirers. And I think we have the same choice To make as we follow Jesus, we can either sit back and admire him and say, Wow, Jesus, you're a really great person. Or we can choose to engage and allow what he said and what he did and what he continues to say to us to um, enable us to take a step forward as we engage with him. You know, he taught that very thing in Matthew 7. 24 to 27 you might not recognize it because this is from the message but I thought this this kind of modernized language helped bring it home for me in our context it says these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living they are foundational words words to build a life on if you work these words into your life you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. But if you just use my words in Bible oh I've missed a bit sorry rain poured down the river flooded a tornado hit but nothing moved that house it was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Jesus taught them that because it was the same for the disciples as it is for us today. For the message of Jesus to help us in any way in our journey, we have to put it into practice. We have to put his words into our life. We have to decide to take a step forward on this journey as we progress towards our goal of becoming like him. You know, sometimes it's going to be confronting when we stop and think, how am I doing? How am I going? Sometimes the conclusion we come to is going to be confronting because we won't be doing as well as we think or we won't be doing as well as we want to. But like Peter, we need those moments to be a, a spurring on to take a step forward. You see, if we look at Simon Peter again, his most epic fail, in my opinion, was denying three times that he even knew Jesus. And the moment he chose to do that was when Jesus was being condemned for nothing that he'd even done. He was being condemned to crucifixion on a cross when he was innocent. And it was that moment that Simon Peter decided now I'm going to deny I even know him. Epic fail. And yet once Jesus had risen again, he famously reached out to Simon specifically. And he gave Simon a next step to take. He said to Simon, actually I need you to step up and lead. I need you to step up and care for these followers of mine who I'm going to leave behind. You see, you can never be so bad. In this journey as we stop and we take stock of where we're at, you can never be so bad that you're a lost cause. There is always a step to take. But you can also never be so good that there is not a step to take. None of us are there yet. None of us is like the master craftsman yet. But Jesus is absolutely committed to your transformation. So much so that he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. To do that very thing to help us to be transformed more into his likeness. So you see, it's not all on your shoulders. I'm not standing here this morning and saying, your transformation is totally your responsibility because Jesus is absolutely committed to your transformation. But your response to it absolutely is your responsibility. And God is totally able, and he does, use the situations and the circumstances and the incidental conversations we have and the programs we watch on tv and the podcasts we listen to is absolutely able to use those things to teach us but it's our response to us that brings about it's our response to those things that brings about transformation it's our commitment to taking the next step on that journey now you've got a booklet on your seats today it looks like this it's your handbook for this series Every week, we're giving you as much opportunity as we can for you to consider how you're going and to know how to take a step forward. So write your name on it, bring it with you every week. If you're not a paper person, you can download a digital copy of these. They're going to be on the app and on the website next to where you find the sermon each week. There's going to be a little PDF symbol. You can download a digital version of this. So if you lose it, I guess you could do that as well. But every Sunday, there's going to be three things for every one of us to do out of the message. The first thing is a question to reflect on. The second thing is a scripture to memorise. And if you're on the Street Church app, that would have come up as a notification this morning, the scripture to memorise. And then the third thing for each of us to do is five daily readings that we're encouraging you to read and to allow God to speak to you through as we engage in this series. And so it would be amazing if every one of us, as we journey through this, could do those three things. But also in the booklet, you'll note, so those are reflect, remember, engage. You'll also notice in the booklet that every week there's also a watch and a read. If you feel particularly challenged one week, yeah, this is an area I really need to grow in. Um, those are extra opportunities for you to find out more. We're not expecting every person to read every one of the books in here and to watch every video that's on there, but the resources are there if you want to engage with it. So I want to encourage you as we begin this journey together. You know, every week there's going to be a step to take. And even today, as we've just done an introduction, I wonder if there's a step for you to take. Josh and the and the team, would you mind coming to the stage? We're going to finish in a moment. But I want us just to stop and consider what is the step that I need to take today as I continue on this journey? And maybe the step for you today is just beginning. Maybe you've never actually started on this journey of following Jesus. And maybe the step for you today is to, to say yes. Yes, Jesus, I will come and follow you. Yes, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross to pay for my sin, that you rose again so that I could have eternal life. And So maybe that's your step today, to say yes to him. If that's you, you might want to just, in this time that we have at the end, you might just want to say that to God, say yes, I want to follow you. And if you do do that this morning, we've got packs here. I'd love to give one to you. So I said, yes, pack, and it will just help you get started on that journey. But I'm hoping this morning that for every one of us, a step that we can take is to commit to engage in this, to to do the three things that I've asked us to do, to think now about when am I going to do that? When am I going to reflect on this question each week? When am I going to do these daily readings? When when am I going to remember these scriptures so that they really get in my heart? And let's commit to walking this journey together. And maybe God's revealing another step that you need to take this morning. I want to encourage you as we respond now to do that, to take that step. And let's be a people committed to following Jesus, not just in a Facebook kind of followers way, not in an admiring him from, from a far way. But we would get in behind him, that we would walk where he walks, that we would do what he does, that we would say what he says, that we would allow ourselves to be transformed more into his, his likeness. Would you stand? And we've got a song that we're going to close with, but I want to give us an opportunity just for a few of us to pray. Because I think this is an important moment for us. As we, as a whole group of people, decide as individuals we're committed to this journey of being disciples. This is important. Because if we're going to be a church that's effective, we're only going to be able to do that if we allow God to be transforming us. So I'm going to pray and then I'd love it if one or two or three or whoever feels led would would pray out for us as a church, as a group of individuals, as we embark on this journey. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this model of discipleship that you've given us, for this way of doing life with Jesus, that as we go, we would be moulded and transformed and shaped more into his likeness. I want to pray for each of us today. Lord, I pray particularly for anyone in here today who's making the decision for the first time to say yes to you. I pray, God, would you meet them in this place right now? Would you give them courage as they step out on this journey to become more like you? But we commit ourselves to you today.